hello you. And hello you. It's been a while, isn't it? <laughs> Too long, quite yes. literally. I'm not sure how long it's been since our last podcast. That's definitely too long then. And plus we've had a global pandemic kind of ravage the ravage the globe since then. <laughs> Feels <laughs> like a long time and it is a long time. Definitely. That does sound like the, the start of the most 2021 novel ever. How long has it been since our last podcast? <laughs> <laughs> is that 2021 Hipster Brighton novel? Hip podcast and Hipster Brighton. I'm, I'm liking that. <laughs> It is really good to hear your voice. Likewise, likewise. And also to get this insight into your home, because that's the thing of, of lockdown, is not only the phrase of 2021 and 2020 of, am I still on mute at the moment? There is that. Mute is going to be the word of 2021, but being able to peek into other people's homes. It is It is pretty cool, and... Um... It just brings a, for me, it brings a real reminder of the humanity of even my most um, kind of senior and seemingly inscrutable work colleagues. Indeed. It's, it's quite amazing what people have got in the bits of artwork. Someone I work with has got um, a picture of Brighton Pier on their wall. They don't live in Brighton. Oh, now that's interesting. And that, the first conversation I had, I was like, that's Brighton. What's going on? What's happening? Are you moving? It's amazing. Those little, those little bits of connection we're finding. I like the random cats on Zoom. Random cats on Zoom <laughs> makes my day. I wrote a poem about one. Ah. It just, I just had this electrify. I had this electrifying experience. Um, quite, it, it was something. Someone's cat came onto Zoom. I totally wasn't, but I was in the middle of one of those kind of. Okay, yeah, okay. This meeting's going on, and it's going to go on. I was in one of those, and uh, and cat came on screen, and I felt cat hair against my cheek I, it produced such a visceral response that I felt the cat and I was like wow that's pretty far out and for, I was kind of buzzing for the rest of the meeting nice. <laughs> it also meant that I was more alert actually so you know good so is this, the, is this the thing we need then to get kind of over our zoom fatigue and everything else it's just random cats, more cats. Yeah, yeah but you know you've got to have the visceral response to it as well I don't know how I don't and, and it hasn't happened since I mean I still enjoy a cat on zoom I love it, but I haven't had the visceral reaction since. Maybe it was that one cat. It was that one, the, the single, the single frisson. It was a black cat. Ah, did you find it was lucky? I felt lucky. I, I, I mean, honestly, it turned around my whole experience of the meeting. Oh God, too. It's quite good. It's quite fun. That'll do. Excellent. And uh, talking poetry, how is your practice going? Uh, it's going. Um, it's slow because I work full-time and I struggle to... Yes, it's difficult for me to carve out time for it, though I'm I'm held to account more because I am participating in a, um, a monthly development workshop with Poet C-Sharp and 11 or so other writers from the local area. So that means I have to produce something at least once a month because that's the commitment. Uh, and it, and it is actually it is is helping me to loosen up a bit about my practice and also helping me to actually write stuff. So this is good. And I have submitted submitted two poems to a poetry magazine in the last couple of weeks. So that's, that's very exciting. exciting. Very cool. Thank you for asking. Also, I I suppose um, now is a good time to mention not stories. What we're uh, talking about poetry. Yes. Um, so. So I was, I've been reflecting on my practice and it actually 
for people listening, Neil specifically has asked me, you know, kind of about, you know, what stories would I tell about where I've been since we last spoke or recently. And one of my, I think the most important one or the most interesting something, the one I'm going to talk about is about my creative practice and poetry and my realisation. So the story is that I've, you know, been trying to write poetry and I've enjoyed it, written some poems, eventually shared them with Neil and he was like, well, they're good, you should do more. Um, but I didn't really know how I was doing it and it felt very hit and miss. And so the movement has been from that to, well, how do I write? What's my inspiration? How do I do it? What, what do I do when I sit down and write? And my big realisation has been that I don't approach poems like they're stories. They are, um, the poem has its own ideas, I've discovered. It, and it's the point when the poem starts pulling me that it gets really exciting. And a poem, my poetry, maybe, I mean, maybe it's just me, but my poetry is very, is incredibly mercurial. And it's kind of like a shapeshifter um, in that I kind of, it's about, it's very much about imagery for me at the moment. And the thing I've had most positive feedback on is um, unusual and arresting and evocative imagery. So if I follow that, then I write stuff that is unusual and, you know, more unique and feels more like it's kind of something, me bringing something unique through through my writing um, but it also means that I can't expect to to kind of to carry a specific message or I can't consciously I can't kind of say right this poem is about this and this is where I want it to lead to because as soon as I do that I kind of stop fac- focusing on the imagery and it becomes quite kind of mundane okay. so not not stories not linear it's kind of mercurial ah, and when you say you f- you find them or when you feel them pulling you into them how does that manifest? And does that then is that then manifesting in any other areas of what you're up to at the moment? Oh, that, that's a good question. You get this, aren't you? That's a good question. I miss <laughs> this. I miss this. Um, the way water and tide metaphors come into my thinking a lot. So the way I've experienced it the last kind of when I've been working on poems recently is that. I feel like kind of being I'm being pulled by the tide at first I'm kind of pushing at first I'm pushing or I'm kind of trying to find a route or a way or I'm kind of pulling the words behind me like come on come on I'm gonna you know I'm gonna do something with you words um but there comes a point and it's a bit like what happens at slack water um in any kind of tidal river or tidal system that I feel it change and I and I can't I can't and and, and then I am being pulled I'm kind of trying to keep up and it's kind of like the words are receding away from me. Not in a bad way, but in a, right, oh, okay, right, you've got an idea where to go. Okay, I'll follow. Um, I, I don't know if that makes any sense to anyone other than me. It's very, very felt. It's extremely felt. And I think that's that's important in the writing, that I let go of what's going on consciously and I kind of tune into my felt sense of where I might be going, where we, the words and I, might be going. I think I need to give them you know, equivalence with me in this process. And and I think that does translate into other areas of my life where I'm I'm trying and I'm kind of learning, I'm getting more comfortable with following my intuition a bit more and 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 being able to giving space for that. Not that I don't have kind of checks and rational balances and things, but actually giving myself enough space to to follow an intuition or follow a feeling to see where it's going. Interesting. So 
this is why we're friends. Water is awesome. I mean, it's quite useful for life, <laughs> but it's gen- generally quite awesome. But the, the reason, I love it. <laughs> the, the reason I bring it up specifically was um, in a, a previous existence, I managed to get myself some... Um, it was called management coaching or leadership coaching. I think what it was actually was therapy, <laughs> let's be honest. It was business-related therapy. Which I think, in a, and you, you were in need of it at that particular time, for uh, reasons beyond <laughs> your control, shall we say. Oh, yes. yes. Oh, yes. But interestingly, within that, so part of the part of the practice there was trying to centre prior to sort of conversation starting. It was quite kind of, I suppose, almost meant like humanistic kind of therapy, from what I understand of, of that. But for me, there was a piece wherein, how to describe, almost like there's a, a ball of energy that if I could bring it down and through, so into my kind of solar plexus. But the mental image I had was that ball of energy or ball of light was coming down through a deep, still, dark ocean. So rather than just space, it was that, you know, when you kind of watch David Attenborough and they go down the submarines and they kind of, and it goes down, 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 and the sunlight filters out. And mm. let's not talk about pilot fish, but that kind of <laughs> All right, then. just... <laughs> let's leave the pile of fish to one side but that kind of deep and you get to that point where there's a little glimmer at the top but the light is still enough and there's not enough sediment and whatever else mm. is floating around deep that for me was always a really powerful image to get to that still centered place and water's always been really important to me and i've always pretty much always lived by the sea when i didn't live by the sea our family holidays we suddenly worked out we're always back by the sea and i'm pisces so i'm a, a little fishy if you believe in that sort of thing um but yeah, so water, yeah, this is why we're friends. Water. Water's cool. We're just, yeah, absolutely. Water is cool. And this is why I moved down to the South Coast. It's why I live where I do, kind of within thrown distance of Brighton. Which, I mean, to be fair, if if I if we weren't both living in this bit of the country, we probably wouldn't have met, would we? Well, exactly. Exactly. Almost pre-Twitter. Well, not quite pre-Twitter, almost pre-something. Back in the oh, days of different Well, it was a while ago, media. wasn't it? Yeah. I know. And there were about three people on Twitter, probably. <laughs> what and you would do with them <laughs> simultaneously <laughs> sometimes but so so we when we were having our our pre-podcast chat um not stories has also come up for you recently hasn't it so tell mm. me tell me about your not stories so i think yeah, the, the not stories around just general life i think i think it's, I mean, it's probably the same for a lot of people but i'm really aware at the moment that there's narratives, but not necessarily stories. Nothing is it's essentially concluding. So there's various things going on. I've sort of said to you, our cat's been poorly, and she's mostly better, but we're still waiting for a couple of tests to come back. So that's not quite concluded. And the kind of the work I'm doing is I'm working on um, mortality management communications, which wasn't even a thing prior to this pandemic, pretty much. But I'm there, and that's obviously not concluding, and that's kind of changing. And everything's sort of in a, a really interesting state of flux. And I'm just noticing there are those pieces that in I suppose pre-pandemic times or maybe different times would sort of conclude would kind of wrap up and you'd be sitting here at the end of 10th of January and think okay that's that's something that's always kind of concluded we're kind of moving on and doing different things but everything seems just open at the moment and so I'm really intrigued to see how everything's going to sort of wrap itself up and resolve in the next few weeks or or months and whatever but it's yeah Mm. it's been a a real sort of a not story or an inconclusive story Hmm. Do, do you think things will there will be some resolutions in the next few weeks or months maybe there won't I think so 
Yeah. I, I kind of get the sense when most things tend, I find tend to kind of go in cycles. And so I think this is just one of those points where we're in the, in the middle of a particular cycle and stuff that's going on now will end and new stuff will, will begin. And there'll be other little sort of bits of story that will come up. I've been really kind of attending to that since we sort of decided to get back behind the mic sort of thing and thought, right, let's kind of bring some stories. I think, what, what am I going to bring? What am I going to bring? Oh, that one's not concluded. That one's got a beginning and a middle, but there's no end to that one. And it's, <laughs> I've, just, I've just really noticed it. Yeah, you're you're in you're in the stories, mm. I suppose. See, I something that you said earlier that um that resonated with me, or that flagged up with me was talking about being in interim roles. So you've been in a number of interim roles, haven't you? Kind of one yes. after the other over the last couple of years, and I think that. So I'm I guess I'm curious how how have you found working in interim roles where you maybe you maybe inherit a project or projects that someone else has started off and was maybe kind of um, set off according to someone else's vision, but but probably with a similar level of oversight responsibility, you just, you just don't have it. And maybe you, you don't get to wrap things up. But actually, and that's reminded me of something you said about leaving your last role that you had. It was kind of bittersweet for you, um, kind of moving on while the team that you've been working with and that you've been leading and managing were still kind of in the midst of what they were dealing with and I think actually you, that was quite difficult for you in some ways yeah and it's it's been a real learning curve so I was, I'm on my I'm on my third interim role but then I was like a year of freelance and so on before that and then we've jobs quite a lot but yeah interim it's very impermanent so I, I suppose the, the kind of work I do on the, the communication side it's not always project-based. And in a way, this part of me thinks, oh, wouldn't it be lovely? Like some of the interim people I've worked with in the past come in, they do a project, they go away, they move on to the next one. Mm. Whereas comms just isn't, it's not like that. And that's one of the things I, I love really about it. it? <laughs> Where I get properly kind of geeky about it. And it's, it's all about the, the three-year plan or the five-year or the considering narratives and all, all that kind of malarkey. But yeah, just trying to fit in and fitting in with different teams, but knowing that it's only going to be for, for a short period of time. It, it's a very different working environment. It's not something I was prepared for, actually, going into kind of interim. Hmm. I kind of thought, yeah, three, three months here, six months there. There's a, a, a lowercase r romanticism, I suppose, about it, about kind of parachuting in, sorting something out, and then moving on. But yeah, I've kind of found it really difficult. And I think because I care about the people I work with, so the role you're, you're referring to, I was there for seven months to start on the, the 1st of April. 2020 oh my goodness what a time to start a new job i know it's literally the weekend a week into lockdown full-blown pandemic new organization new team distributed everything up in the air all that sort of thing Mm. and yeah trying to find that trying to create that space trying to navigate in between the spaces in between other people as well is tricky managed it got on really well and they they made me the most marvelous cake when i left so it can't all have been bad but um but it is a different mindset shift and yeah, yeah. and not for that. everyone I think I think that you are really you know that what I know about your skills and the way you think and the way you work I think you're well placed for it um it, it, but it it really really wouldn't be for everyone no it's not and I know some people have gone on and done sort of year placements or in some cases sort of two-year placements um but it is it's a yeah it's a very distinct mindset 
and especially when you're kind of coming towards the end. So at the moment, I'm two months off the end of, of my current contract um, and starting the phone starting to ring, which is quite nice. People are people are phoning me, oh, when, you, when are you available? What's going on? Um, what are you interested in? Et cetera, mm. et cetera. Because I'm, I'm very, very invested in what I do. What I do might well continue. Sadly, obviously, what I do is directly related to the pandemic. So again, for that role, there's part of me that thinks I want it. I desperately want it to wrap up when it's meant to wrap up mm. because that means that the world has conquered COVID. Yes. And, and we're back to, we're not back to whatever normal was because that normal has gone and I think we, we should be bringing the best parts of our experience with us. We're back to some semblance of, of what we understand as society and life and so on. So obviously if I'm kept on, I'd be, I'm obviously going to be delighted and it's going to give me yet more experience and more strings to my bow, but it's going to be with that tinge of sadness because the only reason I'm doing what I'm doing is because there's a global pandemic. So, mm. yeah, it's a, it's a weird kind of melting pot of all this of all this stuff, mm. which is fascinating to be in the middle of. And I am going to take this opportunity as a as a good friend to remind you of something that you've said, which is the next role needs to be fun, because you yes. you have dealt with some very serious shit um, in your last <laughs> at least the last two interim roles. So I'm not, I'm not going to go into the details of what, but it, it's been pretty serious stuff, hasn't it? And you've kind of alluded yeah. to, to to some of the stuff in the recent role. So you you said you said to me the next role has to be fun. And I'm just, I'm just remind, I'm just listeners. I'm just reminding Neil every opportunity I get because I know what he's like, right? He'll probably go for some serious shit again because because he's a brilliant, brilliant person and he's got these amazing skills and he wants to help the world. But you know, fun. There, I said my piece. Bring more, bring more fun into. I am very lucky. Actually, my my current role it is, it is very stressful. It is. It is full of serious shit. There's no getting away from it. But the team I'm working with are fantastic. And the wider team are fantastic as well. And actually, there's that real kind of piece. We're all kind of supporting each other. And there's a real sense we're all in it together. So, yeah, there's that. But definitely, yeah, trying to find that that fun. Um, and I've got good, good news on that front as well. Can't let too many cats out of too many bags at the moment. It's not quite, not quite finished. But it's looking like I'm taking on a volunteer communications role. Ooh. It's fairly soon, so I should be. I'm hoping to kind of confirm details tomorrow night. So by the time this this airs, probably would have confirmed details, and I might be uh, excitedly chatting about it on LinkedIn and, and Twitter and what have you. But I really wanted this year to be something different and to invest some time in something. Yeah, something different actually, mm. um, and find. And I've been talking for sort of a year and so actually, I would like to find some time to, to volunteer and, and do things and donate that part of my energy and it might have all come together nice yeah, watch this yeah. space then or listen next, or next, next time we talk i may have i may have more details i shall grill you about it excellent <laughs> but it's yeah it is uh, time's strange that's what i've kind of decided and there's, there's a lot about trying to find those things that bring moments of joy mm. as well and there's there is so much out there at the moment that is uh, difficult and Unlike other crises, I think it's really important to mention, uh, we've been talking about this for a while, but unlike other crises, this is one that doesn't go away. So the crises, I've worked on crises in the past where actually if you get to Sunday night, turn off the TV and whatever, it just goes, you can have a couple of hours. Because obviously this virus doesn't, there's, there is no getting away from this. Um, no, it really and, affects every aspect 
of, yeah. of our lives we, whether you know including if we're just sitting at home minding our own business actually yeah ex- exactly and it is all pervasive and so it's been really important and something really trying to do is find those little moments of joy and just yeah find them and enjoy them revel in them and I thought like saying to you before discovered the great British pottery throwdown tell me about is, this because I know very amazing, little about it it's amazing TV it's a bit like the great British bake-off but pottery and there's okay. just 12, 13, however many people come in with huge amounts of skill, a lump of clay, a wheel, and they make amazing things. And it's just, it's heartwarming TV. Mm. That's, the, that's the thing I'm kind of really appreciating about it. And also, um, Grayson Perry, so the, the potter, he's back on TV with the Grayson's Art Club. So that's this coming oh, this Sunday. yeah. And, you, and you, I remember you telling me about that before, and you kind we of got me into that a bit. That was fabulous. Yeah, we were absolutely addicted to it in wave one and it was actually quite emotional i mean it's people creating art out of whatever um on a on a theme kind of taking photos sending it in but it's just the stories and those moments of i suppose it's those moments of human connection as well you've got to realize why a five-year-old put a collage together in a particular way or why a 50-year-old painted a picture of x or why someone sculpted a i don't know whatever it was a cat or something like that and it was just those little moments of joy and it's it's not all TV based. It sounds like I just sit around watching TV. We don't. We do do other stuff, but it's not enough. Grace and Perry for that, honestly. <laughs> yeah, <it>? indeed. It's <laughs> <laughs> finding those bits of joy and just and reveling yeah. them and having the permission to. I mean, a couple of years ago, I probably wouldn't have thought, "Oh, I'll sit down and watch a, a program about people making pots and plates and and whatever." But there's just something about the present situation that it's just heartwarming and finding those pieces and noticing them spending the time noticing them as well mm, yeah really important that, that yeah that seems really powerful and so what that makes what that makes me think about art is that um i think this is what grace and perry and and all the the people he spoke to demonstrated really well is that art isn't kind of remote this remote mystical thing that only some people can do or can access or mm. it art is just expressing it's just a way of expressing ourselves so you know i was talking about my poetry craft earlier so i you know i express myself by thinking about imagery and and thinking about what fear you know what kind of trying to write my feelings i suppose and feelings resist being written so it's it's always an interesting process but no but that's what i do that's how i express myself um but how anybody else wants to or feels comfortable you know expressing themselves if it interests them so and it um, the reason I'm talking about this is I'm thinking about a poetry call for poetry that I launched in the first lockdown around the These Are the Hands anthology, which is an anthology of poems written by NHS staff. And, it, and amazingly, it was published the day after lockdown. It kind of wasn't planned, but the day after lockdown started in the UK, so it wasn't planned. But it seemed very, very fortuitous timing in some ways. And and so I I launched a call for poems from the general public to connect with the, the the first the first idea was just to show gratitude to say thank you to nhs workers and to to you know and to express our gratitude for the nhs because it's an, it's an incredible incredible institution um and i have i have yeah. so much love for it the people that founded it the people that make it work to this day um, and i'm worried for the future for its future which is kind of some of my ideological motivation but anyway purely it was about giving people a platform and we published every single poem that came in, and it's still open. Actually, if anyone wants wants to submit um, poetry for NHS. Um, dot co. dot uk, 
I'm sure I can share the link more more sensibly. Amazing. And it's just it's just you know whatever however you want to express yourself. There's no judgment. Um, there's no all you know. This isn't this kind of form of poem, or that's not good enough, or that's not highbrow enough, or that's not accessible enough. It's just what you want to express. And I there's, so there's something I've I really learned something. And actually, the idea came from a friend of mine to to just open up. I really learned something about just being very inclusive about how people want to express themselves. Okay. Speaking, actually, speaking of poetry, obviously we're one week on from the inauguration. Ooh. Amanda Gorman. Yes. Is it me or is poetry blowing up right now? Oh, yeah. I think it might be. I mean, and she is stunning. She's oh, stunning. jaw-droppingly good. Yes. Possibly better than the inauguration itself, and that was pretty damn amazing. Yeah. The fact that it was okay for... Um, the performance and the poem and the poet to be such you know to kind of to be such a big part of of that kind of you know really um I mean incredibly emotional and incredibly important and incredibly all things event I think is 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 amazing honestly I would not have predicted that a couple of years ago no (laughs) (laughs) indeed no definitely not to the past four years of um America. No, I'm so, stunning. And it was such a sweet, sweet moment when I banned Donald Trump from my timeline. Oh. <laughs> you know those little pieces? Actually, that's a story that's concluded. Oh, um, yes. Well, I suppose it hasn't because of the um, impeachment, but uh, that particular bit of the story has. But at that moment when, because I didn't dare ban him all the way through, I was like, I can't ban him. I need to know what the other side, because I'm not a Trump supporter, um, I need to know what the other side is up to. I need to understand Mm. what's going on. He left off this. And on my Google timeline, not interested in Donald Trump. (laughs) It was just one of those little pieces of wonderfulness that I'll probably never actually never forget of, of all the, mm. the weird stuff that's gone on just I feel I can now ban him because I don't need that shit talk about moments of joy yes being able to say we don't need to pay attention to Donald Trump anymore not in the same way no, it's, no. that is quite special Yes, for me, it's very much like I, I hate spiders, and it's always that thing. If I know there's a spider in the room, I've got to keep my eye on it, just so I know what it's up to, and if I need yes. to run screaming, yes. um, or find a, a larger bowl to put over it or something. It was always that thing with Trump, but actually, just getting to that point, going, I, I don't I don't need to invite this in, in anymore. Mm. It's gone. That's it. It's over. How sweet was that? Also, I'm going to take away the image of Trump as a giant orange spider. So <coughs> gonna, that's going to stay with me. I quite I like that. I'm going to diminish him to a to a an oversized orange spider. So terrifying. There, there were orange spiders in the shed where I lived when I was a kid, and it terrified me. Actually, orange. Jesus. I've never seen them since. Yeah, they were they were kind of an orange. They're probably just like some common, literally common or garden spider. But I just remember them as these giant, probably quite pretty. You know, they're going to eat your face kind of way. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's a qualification for you. Because let's face it, that's what every spider probably wants to do. But for money spiders, they're cute. Um, badly named, though. But yeah, I just have this, I have this memory. But Donald, yeah, ban- banning him from the timeline. Sweet, sweet, sweet moment that was. Yes. Well, I, I'm going to share one of my unexpected moments of joy, um, which from the last week, from a couple of days ago. Um, so 
for anyone that doesn't know, I'm a marketer and I, I do I work on social media for some of my clients and I, you know, I work on work on other platforms as well. But anyway, I was working on, on LinkedIn for a client of mine and um, wholly unexpectedly she sent me an email saying, that post we published a couple of days, oh, it's about a week ago, that's had 26,000 impressions. And I'm like, what? Hey. And my jaw dropped. And uh, and I've kind of been playing it down as well. I'm like, well, now I'm all about the engagement and, you know, building up building up relationships. Slowly. But there's a bit inside me, it's like, yes, some vindication that actually I do know my shit about social media. Um, and so that has, that, that has been a moment, moment. And when I shared it with my network, actually, several lovely people who, you know, I, I like and esteem have, have, um, have said, oh, go on, you, that's good. And, you know, we've kind of have kind of celebrated it with me. Which, yeah, considering it's just such a, it's like a tiny part of the work I do. Um, it was probably, that one post probably, you know, probably it was in total about an hour, an hour of my time. And I've been freelancing in marketing for about five years now. So, you know, really tiny part of the work I do um but that that's the one that kind of yeah has blown up um and I yeah I've got a sense of joy and a sense of joy from that and a sense of joy from sharing it as well excellent and yeah I mean that, that's great it's such a noisy and there it is noisy it is difficult to get cut through and actually if you can can get something that reaches people how yeah. magnificent yeah, and I so my my tips for anyone who's wondering how I managed it I mean honestly I've, I'm not entirely sure but um we reshared an HBR article, so resharing something that's really well written, resharing some content that's really well written, um, and and that is well known. So, you know, it, it is inevitable that as a small um, content publisher, um, you know, HBR people are poised to find it interesting, and that's just the way it is because that's the reputation, that's the value of reputation. Um, so you know, you can't possibly hope to, to to match that as kind of someone kind of you know. Who's, it's a uh, it's a one person business at the moment. Um, been bigger than the past, but COVID has taken its toll. And um, so sharing some content from a, a you know a well known publisher. But I think the other interesting thing is that between the two of us, we worked out an interesting take on it. Um, and I don't want to actually bring the client into it because I don't have their permission, so I won't give any details. But an interesting take on it, and kind of you know the the first kind of the the bit of the post that you see without before you click read more I think was a was a really interesting kind of flip on what the article was about and and it seemed that that resonated with with people so it got shared and it got commented on and of course the LinkedIn algorithm is still relatively simple so that you know the fact that people were sharing and commenting meant that it was served up to you know people in there lots of people in their networks and uh, you know of course the more engagement and activity you get on a post the more it's, it's shown and shared so i mean i've no idea how many of those twenty-six thousand impressions were legitimately seen by people but it's a good result and and i, I, I can say what i do about the publisher as well about using a kind of sharing something from hbr because i did have a similar experience in the autumn it was kind of i got a post unexpectedly that i did for another client got about 12k which was like whoa that's quite that's quite uh, quite so and it was an hbr article again so there's something about kind of the reputation of the content that you're resharing absolutely and i think that's one of those really important pieces about community management or generally anything i suppose is that curation and i suppose but through the curation you can find out so much more maybe about the people and about the businesses mm. and you could perhaps if they were just generating their own content so oh, okay you read this 
you read that, even if I don't click through any of the articles, I can see we both maybe read HBR and go, oh, okay, so I've got, there's some affinity here with that. But actually providing that service is so valuable because, again, it's the whole signal, a noise to signal piece. Mm. And actually, if you've got that, if you can find that voice, a bit like with the power trace, it's coming nicely, nicely full circle. Oh, but, if you, but, you can, <laughs> but if you can find that voice, if you can find that kind of reputation and so on, then those pieces of curation and collation just adds so much value mm. and from the business perspective it's not necessarily having to come up with all their own context i think there is a fetishization over creating content constantly oh it must be new we must do this we mm. must do that it must be everything whereas actually there is a real there's a skill in the arts and yeah if you're, you're starting to pull those sorts of figures and get that sort of engagement then yeah nailing it well hey yes so yeah joy speaking of joy <laughs> How amazing. Yeah. Awesome. Oh, it's nice to talk marketing with someone for a bit. It's like community management even. I mean, I don't actually do a whole load of it. It's a new client who um, who I started working with at the end of last year. Um, but actually your point about not needing to create, create everything, but signposting to valuable stuff that's been written or created by others. One of the things I love about HBR is is that the research the research piece, you know, the pieces that are based on research might be um a specific research report. Quite often it's like a meta meta research, a meta review of some kind. And that's that's one thing I, I love about about those articles. Um but yeah, I'm I'm actually I'm enjoying doing a bit of community management but in but in a, a kind of far more reasoned um rational way not just kind of we must create loads of content we must have something to say oh and it must be funny as well i'm yeah i'm kind of i'm i'm well over that <laughs> nice and it is it is all about people at the end of the day and i think actually that's for me sometimes with the curation it feels like it's maybe more about the people than the creation because mm. sometimes i think you look at you look at the way maybe it's just the way some people create if you look at it and think oh actually you're creating this it's maybe it's about your audience because that's what settles or gets information or gets kind of the, the clicks and engagement but sometimes it feels more about the company than about the audience by getting something mm. out there whereas giving others a platform kind of let, giving others that bit of amplification bit of boost is such a generous thing to be doing and we need more of that across society whether that's in kind of equality equity diversity whether that's in business whether that's in sharing the work of your favorite poets or writers or artists or whatever just that use it using your your network your ability your your passion to give that bit of a boost it, it's so valuable and so appreciated as well when it happens mm, mm. and actually it's it's not like it's not a massive need for more content crossing our desks or our eyeballs or our brains is there there's, you know, there's already more i mean unfathomably more out there than i could possibly even if i took one of my favorite subjects there's already unfathomably more thinking and writing and discussion on it than i could consume in a whole lifetime oh, so yeah, um more has been created every day it's yeah as, it's and it's not that that's a bad thing you know that's it's kind of expression yeah. and it's great but I, I am I'm, I'm very much coming around to the opinion that kind of being able to navigate what's there well is at least as important if not more so than being able to add to add to the conversation mm. with you know kind of with with your own content or, or with a, with a length certainly with a lengthy piece of your own content 
Absolutely, completely agree. And that kind of, I suppose, brings me nicely to what feels like maybe a good closing point for, the, for today's conversation, today's new piece of content for the interwebs. And I am shamelessly nicking this from one of my favourite podcasts. But if you wanted to signal something and say to people, this is something really cool, go and have a look at it, what would that be? What, what's your recommendation? Ooh, that's a really good question. Um need to think about that for a minute so I, I think I'm going to bat that back to you and ask you that question while I, I hurriedly gather my thoughts Touché Okay, so there's many I could go for but the one I really want to actually really, really, really want to flag at the moment Excuse me The one I really want to flag at the moment is something called Anxiety Empire Oh, okay, so I haven't even heard of this It started, Ooh. I believe... I'm going to say it started on Instagram. It might have started on Instagram. Um, but it's now a publication. It's free to pick up. There's 10,000 copies in issue one, and it's about mental health. Mm. And it is the most awesome thing I've discovered in a very, very long time. So I read it cover to cover, and then kind of connected with the authors, connected with the publisher, who's, who's amazing. Uh, they're, doing, they're just doing brilliant work. Um, anxietyempire.com. I believe I'm going to have a look at it online, but it brings mental health conversation into a real space, and it's not a self-help. You see some sort of magazines and publications, and it's like, oh, we're talking about psychology. Actually, mm. it's pop psych, and it's it's all a bit well, not good. Um, but this is this is amazing. It deals with some real issues, and the the cover of issue one is is incredible. It's so eye-catching. Um, and if you have a, have a look at it, I won't, I won't spoil it, but if you have a look at it, you'll probably see exactly what I mean. Um, and it's just, I just feel so passionate about it. And it's, I feel so passionate about it in the same way that I feel passionate about Peeps magazine when I discovered mm. that far yeah. too many years ago, even five years ago or whatever. Um, that's, all, that's also amazing. That'd be my other drop. But Anxiety Empire, it's something that fits the now. It's beautifully designed. It's beautifully written. It's got an amazing range of content, but also coming back to the pandemic, the mental health load on this pandemic is terrifying and mm. staggering and huge and people are burning out, they're having, they're struggling a survey out recently said something like a quarter of young people, I think under 25s, are struggling this is a publication that is unbelievably needed right now, it's intelligent it's smart, it's accessible mm. that would be my job, anxietyempire.com Nice, okay, so I'm, I'm going to look at that um, you've one of the things I thought of, and you've mentioned it already, is Peeps. So I'm going to name check that, but I've also had another idea. So Peeps magazine, and it was, it was dear listeners, it was Neil that got me into Peeps magazine. And I, I, um, it's one of the first subscriptions that I made from my, you know, kind of from a, from a business perspective. I thought, actually, I want to be in, I want to be reading stuff about, um, culture about anthropology about that kind of inquiry um, about the intersection of people and geography and society and economy um, I want to be reading about that I want that to be informing my work and and the kind of the kind of way that I might in, that I might interrogate you know another piece of content in order to pull out some meaning from it for one of my clients so um, I love peeps it's fantastic um, and the the article, the very first article I read, I think you may have loaned me your copy of the magazine, Neil, was the one about haemophiliacs and um, behaviour, beha kind of applying behavioural insights to creating better health outcomes for haemophiliacs. Because they're kind of, instead of basically, the kind of the gist was, 
don't just tell haemophiliacs, especially young male haemophiliacs, that they need to look after themselves or they might die, because actually that is not going to change the behaviour. The behaviour isn't driven by concern or not for their own welfare, it's driven by other things like peer pressure um, and wanting to appear a certain way with peers and to not show vulnerability or to not kind of to conform basically which it's a really well understood piece of human psychology and particularly in their age group as well and I was like wow it kind of set me on fire I'm like wow I've never looked at something it, it kind of resonated so I clearly had been thinking in that way but I'd never seen it put so elegantly so logically so succinctly um, and in a kind of what felt like a very a very grown-up publication um, and I was like, oh, I felt vindicated in my kind of, you know, wanting to understand really what's been, what goes on. Um, and that's kind of sparked a real interest in behavioural studies and behavioural insights. So there's that. And such a good, oh, I can't believe you picked that. That's, like, that's one of my favourite magazine articles ever. It stayed with me for, you know, I don't know, four or five years. And I, when I think of Peeps... I mean, I think I was thinking of the recent issue, which I really enjoyed reading, and I won't talk about because I'll just talk for too long. But that one still comes back. Just, just amazing. In fact, I'm going to leave it there. I will save my other thing for another time if, if I remember, if, if it's still relevant. Fantastic. Well, I think I have to get my copy off the shelf and reread yeah. it. Read, read Peeps magazine, people. Do it. Excellent. What is it? Peepsmagazine.ca. I think so. Yes. Yes. We've... Peepsmagazine.ca. Excellent. We should compile some links in show notes shouldn't we we should do that sounds like a plan okay we can do that awesome. neil thank you you're thank awesome you. this is why we're <laughs> friends because i think you're awesome oh you too it's been amazing it's been so nice to catch up it has let's do it again soon all righty cool all see right. you soon take care